All right, everybody. So this week, we're going to be releasing an episode from our Patreon vault. Not even all of it, actually. Just a, a little over half, probably. And you can get the full episode of this at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. So without further ado, here we go. Man, we're here. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. Ben, do you yes. like doing the Patreon more than the live show, man? Because I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, prob- I mean, it depends. I think it depends on my mood. It depends on what the topic is. That's a good question, though. I think I like the casualness of this. I like how it's a little easier. It's a lot easier to prepare. A lot easier. You know what? <laughs> One of the reasons why you might like it is uh, we kind of just all do it in recording as opposed to some of the other stuff we have to do we kind of have to we have to do a lot of stuff in post to add yeah, in yeah. Like, ads and all that type of stuff so maybe it's just casual all the way around and mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it's just it's a little bit loose and there, i mean not that there's too that much pressure but it's a little bit more pressure for the other show true yeah it's still so, on the yeah. casual side of life but yeah we like it we yeah. like it so uh, but I do hate to, this is the third Patreon this year where we've kind of had to start it out like this, but, uh, as you can see with the photo that we've got on the video, we've lost another major, a legend in the comic community. And that's Tim sale who passed away the past week, age of 66, which is young, older than I thought he was, but, uh, still very young. You know, I know he looks late forties in this photo. Yeah, I know. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, big surprise. It was not disclosed until afterwards about like why he was in the hospital. Cause at first we found out he was in the hospital and people, you know, sent their well wishes. And then unfortunately on the 16th of last week, we found out that he had passed. So, um, according to collaborator Richard Starkings, it was actually from kidney failure. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. What causes that? Um, Genetics? just general, it can be caused by a whole bunch of things. You know, uh, I know diabetes can lead into that because my dad has that, you know. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We don't know the specifics in terms of what led to that for him. But the, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to, for Tim Sale, he was only a year younger than George Perez, which, you know, surprised me because, you know, I read his comics in like early 2000s. I kind of associate him with a younger generation since his comics are, you know, the comics that put him on the map are more recent and after, you know, Neil Adams and George Perez. So he uh, saw his uh, fame later in life, like, like yeah. Tim Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I didn't realize that. I, I thought he was, I thought it was um, a lot younger, but you know, it is, uh, it's a shame. And his, I, I really do, even though we've sort of like gone back and forth on the long Halloween type of stuff, his art was never, you know, anything that uh, I found derivative. I, I do like this image of, of Batman in the top left, and even the one on his shirt that we see here, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from Long Halloween and Dark Victory, just classic stuff, great style. You can tell just from looking at any image of his that it's him. Yeah, his he's got the Americana style, I think, especially with Superman, because it mm-hmm. lends itself to that more. Like, you know, For All Seasons was on the Reddit sidebar that I always talk about. Um, so that, that was actually <clears throat> my... Uh, introduction to him really mm-hmm. was was for all seasons and when i look back at that it is really really cool style you know 
Yeah, and I think uh, his Superman's unique in the sense that he's not really chiseled. He's big, but he's not like chiseled in a way. So it's like it, it's his own style of Superman. It's at least almost, in, for all seasons. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's like um, Alex Ross draws it to where they're almost got a paunch. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like not mm-hmm. quite, but a couple more beers and they'll they'll be there. <laughs> right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. R.I.P. Man, this is crazy. It's a fucking pandemic. I mean, it's a real pandemic, but this is a comic book creator pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a shame. Three basically in the past few months. Yeah. Hopefully that'll stop for a bit. It's it's kind of a lot. So. It's, it's still fallout yeah. from Cope from 2020, I think. I think we're we're gonna see effects from 2020 for a while, man. Yeah. You I know? think so too. I think so too. <clears throat> so uh rest in peace, Tim Sale. Rest in peace. Let's move on then into the main topic, which is Alfred. So uh, <laughs> Michael Goff is the Alfred of, of our childhood in the 90s Batman movies. And I thought I would go a little bit more into him as well as some of his Alfred performances we didn't see in the movies that are actually existing in audio since we're kind of on an audio book kick. So uh, Michael Goff was born in 1916. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, born in Malaysia. Actually, his parents what? Yeah, were living there at the time. And back in 1916, it wasn't even called Malaysia. It was called the Federated Malay States. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> this guy goes way back. Uh, but, I mean, clearly he's he's English. It was just English family living there, I guess. British colony shit, probably? Yeah, I think so. I don't know that much about Malaysia, but that's what it seems to be. Because it threw me mm-hmm. off when I first read like where he was born, because you just expect to be like, oh, you know, England, UK. And then you're just like, wait a minute, what's this? So yeah. that was interesting. Uh, we know him as Alfred, but uh, people in the like 60s or 70s or so knew him as the guy who played a lot of creeps, actually. Oh, no. really? <laughs> yeah. So he was in a lot of the Hammer horror movies, usually not as the monster, but, you know, like the evil aristocrat type. Oh, uh, uh, okay. That, that makes sense, actually. Uh, so he played a bunch of villains. He he was a good guy in Horror of Dracula, where he co-starred with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. So he was in the first Christopher Lee Dracula movie as a good guy on that. Uh, he was a Doctor Who villain named the Celestial Toymaker. And he was also a villain in a TV adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo I saw. Uh, that's from the 60s, where he was De Villefort, the, the lawyer who betrays Dante's. So... Uh, he's actually pretty good at playing a villain. I'd never seen him in that type of role until I started going back and it's kind of surreal seeing like, this is a young Alfred, except he's playing a piece of shit. So it's, is, it's kind of cool. Is that one account of Monte Cristo from 2001 or two, the best one, or is it, I just like it cause I saw it when I was in high school. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's the best one. I like it a lot. I think it's a great introduction to uh-huh. the story. But I think that a lot of the other it's, it's a story that's made for like a TV miniseries. And so mm. for like the two for like a, a feature movie, the 2001, 2002 one is probably like the best you could do to streamline it. But if we're talking, I guess if we're talking film adaptations, maybe, but like for for overall in live action adaptations, it's it's something that lends itself better to TV, I feel. Right. Yeah. It's another thing like Netflix or Prime could really get on that it's probably open source or whatever they call it public domain yeah like 
just i mean why not why not do that yeah <laughs> it's gonna have some badass fencing in it and shit i know Come right? on, man yeah so that's uh the 60s is kind of the, the the one that he was in was pretty true to the book or so so if you did a modern update on that today that'd be fantastic mm-hmm but I think Burton grew up with the Hammer Horror movies that Michael Goff was part of, and he was probably that's probably why he thought of Michael Goff in the role. And again, I guess he's casting against type, so he kind of did that with Michael Keaton in the role of Batman, and he did it with Alfred, and it worked. You know, yeah. Burton man, he had the casting down for this. So, yep, yep. Uh, we know him from the four Batman movies as well as the Diet Coke commercial that we saw in the VHS <laughs> yes. before '89. Yes. Uh, as well as the OnStar commercial. So uh, the most obscure part of his Alfred career, though, are two BBC radio audio productions where he plays Alfred. Uh, obviously picked because of the fact he's already Alfred in live action, so why not? And so I think he holds the record for having worked with the most Batman as an Alfred. So mm. you've got Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, you've got Bruce Thomas in this OnStar commercial, and then we have the radio Batman, Bob Sessions, who uh, we're going to talk about him here. So, okay, let's go into where this, you know, how this came about. So this is pretty recently after the release of 89, the Batman 89 film. And it's not just the release of that movie, but it's also the 50th anniversary of the Batman character in that year. And so for whatever reason, BBC Radio 4 decides, like, let's do like an audio adventure tribute story to Batman. It's only like 43 minutes long. It's kind of their like anniversary tribute to him. So the title was Batman, the Lazarus syndrome. Wow. Was, uh, That's a cool yeah. name. Yeah. It's produced and co-written by Dirk Maggs. We've talked about him before. He's one of the major, major audio drama producers in the UK. He did uh, not just Batman adventures, but also Superman ones, including an adaptation of the death and return of Superman. Uh, also audio adaptations featuring Spider-Man, Judge Dredd, and most recently on Audible, Sandman. Oh, so, nice. Oh, that's yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So this guy goes way back. He's been doing this since the 80s. Uh, Sandman one's incredible. Comics. It's like a movie. Like, a, it's, it's yeah, it's just really well produced. Yeah, yeah. So it's Dirk Mags. Dirk Mags yeah. is like the master of all that type of stuff. So that's pretty awesome. This poster art seems to be, might have been just a promo for it, but it it's what I found on Wiki, and it kind of recycles the comic co- cover of Batman, Son of the Demon, done by Jerry Bingham, I think. But uh, it is released on cd though i think it's still a little hard to get a hold of but it was released on cd decades later which is why this cover art that we're seeing right here has jim lee's batman from like way way later in hush so uh i think because of the fact that it's produced in the uk it's like well michael goff's already here and he was alfred in the movie so we might as well cast him in this so this is actually michael goff's second alfred performance after 89 and before batman returns is in this lazarus syndrome audio adventure so uh writers are dirk mags himself as well as simon boulevant and with a name like the lazarus syndrome it's not hard to figure out who the villain is on this <laughs> right <laughs> uh it's the it's the first adaptation of Ra's al ghul and to be the first voice of Ra's, they actually brought in another actor from batman 89 so here's kind of a deep cut garrick hagan who played the dad who's trying to get a taxi in the beginning of Batman 89. They thought that guy should be Rosal Ghoul. Guy with the first line? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is Garrick Hagen. He's a Canadian actor who actually lives in the UK. So that's kind of how he ends up in Batman 89. 
Okay. Uh, he was Biggs Darklighter in Star Wars to to Star Star Wars fans, but uh, he is living in U- the UK. He's in a whole bunch of UK productions. He's Canadian though, so he doesn't have a British accent. Uh, it's actually his wife. I didn't find this out until recently. It's his wife Liza Ross playing his wife in '89 as well. Where she's oh, like, okay. God sakes, Harold, please get a taxi. Like that, they're actually a real life couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh shit, that's awesome. Uh, so Garrick Hagan gets brought on to do the voice of Ra's al Ghul. First time the character has been adapted. And they do pronounce it Ra's. They don't say Raish in this, mm-hmm. this pre-animated series. And uh, they the opening is just, they just get right the fuck to it. It's a fight between Ra's al Ghul and Batman and Crime Alley. So I'm going to play that clip for us. Is it not ironic, Batman? The greatest minds of our generation. And here we are, fighting like animals. It's me. Strange. Today I feel particularly rejuvenated. Oh. You were foolish to drop your guard, detective. Oh, I hate you to think I've gone soft. Yeah. Now, you want to play games. <laughs> I want to talk. What weapon was that? Just a battery. Now, before I'm tempted to spoil that plastic surgery, tell me what brings you here tonight to this alley with that face. A good question, Batman. One that surely deserves an answer. Good. Certainly. Yes. To beat one out of you. Oh, there is no need. The answer is simple. It's your birthday. And according to the custom of your people... I have a present for you. Oh. No. Not here. Cat! No! You know, they never really explained what he did to Batman (laughs) in that part. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it it starts off. So we got our first uh, Ra's al Ghul Ghul here. And uh, this is nothing against Garrett Hagen, but it might also be the weakest version of Ra's al Ghul (laughs) that I've heard. Yeah. Not necessarily in voice, but like he doesn't even know what a fucking batarang is. In the beginning, he's like, "What was that weapon?" I'm like, "Really?" Uh, <laughs> this is the first time meeting him, I guess. I mean, yeah. Uh, he just doesn't carry the same gravitas uh, that we're used to, and, and it, he makes these types, different types of mistakes too, throughout the thing. Where I'm just like, "This doesn't really feel like the demon's head," you know, the Ra's right. al Ghul again. Not right, Eric right, Hagen's right. fault. It's more of the writing. And I think they kind of just get away with it in this time because, like, no one outside of comic readers really know who Ra's al Ghul is. There's no animated series adaptation yet. There's no Batman Begins of Liam Neeson. This is just the very first time they've ever adapted him. And he's just kind of there to be the villain to set up, like, different different scenes showcasing Batman. Right. So uh, another interesting thing about this Ra's is Batman mentions that Ra's al Ghul's home is Nanda Parbat, which... Is an interesting common misconception. It's not the case in the comics. Nanda Parbat's a completely different city. And I kind of always wondered where that came from. And it seems like this, I don't know if it came from this, because this seems like a really obscure point for people to get. I don't know how many people were listening to this and yeah. uh, thought about that, but it, it might have been already in, I don't know, a misconception among comic book readers at the time. That it's Nanda, Par- Nanda Parbat is part of Dead Man's thing, right? Or no? Um, I think it's part. Is it Strange Adventures? Let me look up right now. Uh, it 
could be looking it up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Strange Adventures number two sixteen, created by the late Neil Adams. Okay. Uh, first appears in Strange Adventures, but uh, yeah, uh, Ramakrishna is the most famous as the entity responsible for turning airless Boston Brand into the ghostly dead man. So, uh, yeah, that is it is associated with dead man. It didn't really get connected to Rosal Ghoul in the comics, at least not that I could find until Grant Morrison's The Resurrection of Rosal Ghoul. And that's like way after this audio, mm -hmm. like decades after this audio. So I don't know. Uh, but okay. it's funny to hear that. Uh, Garrick Hagen is prolific in terms of his different comic book characters. He voices Thomas Wayne in a brief flashback in this audio as well. And he's in a bunch of these Dirk Mags audios. He's in the Superman ones. He's also Jor-El in the Superman ones, as well as Perry White. So he's playing a whole bunch of DC characters. Have you listened to those? I have. They're pretty good. Oh, they are? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a separate episode covering the, the Superman ones. But those are, those are pretty fun, too. And the, the latest comic book or Batman-related character he played was this dude, Henry Adams, from the Arkham Knight video game, the old man who gets infected by Joker blood. So, oh, man. Uh, he's been around the block, just not really given a lot of recognition for it because, you know, his first time was, you know, Harold getting a taxi. And then we don't really <laughs> think to follow up on that guy afterwards. No, only this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we could so, probably interview him next. <laughs> yeah. The guy who got the taxi in 89. We'll still Hell, get why not? We're going to go. We're going to go. Yeah, no. We're going to interview everybody in the show. <laughs> yes. We'll finally get you your taxi, Harold. We're going to finally end with uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael Keaton eventually. <laughs> Probably, yes. So uh, after the sequence, we, uh, you know, Batman's been abducted, as we hear. And Commissioner Gordon, voiced by actor Paul Maxwell, gets a tape where Batman says, like, Jim, I'm Bruce Wayne. And Gordon's like, what the fuck? And, and goes to Wayne Manor. And that's where Alfred comes in. So here's Michael Goff's first scene as Alfred in this audio production. Good morning. Ah, Commissioner Gordon, what a pleasant surprise. Alfred, may I come in? But of course. Thank you. Uh, may I take your coat, sir? Um, no, thanks. Look, I think we need to talk, don't you? We do? About our mutual friend. Uh, your uh, employer, I only heard this morning. I don't know what to say. Master Bruce rang you this morning. No, no, the cassette... In the event of his... My God, you don't know? Obviously I don't, Commissioner. Perhaps you should enlighten me. Alfred, <laughs> the bad man. Remarkable fellow. Of course, I'm not sure that I approve of costumed individuals. He's dead. <laughs> My goodness. Alfred, I need to know when you Maybe last saw him. him. I mean, as Bruce Wayne. As Bruce Wayne? I don't, don't understand. Alfred, you're shaking. There's a very chill draft in this hallway, sir. Why don't I show you to the drawing room? You can speak to Master Bruce in comfort. Hmm? Oh, oh, indeed. Commissioner Gordon, Caesar. Jim! Bruce? Just in time for a snack. How about eggs Benedict, Alfred? Very good, sir. So, I, it just occurred to me, too, I think this is the only time Michael Goff's Alfred actually interacts with Commissioner Gordon. Michael Goff is the blueprint <laughs> for Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much indeed, <laughs> indeed. There, can, there can be no other but <laughs> trying to think well you know michael came pretty damn good but 
<sighs> just missing that certain something. Yeah, I mean that it depends on the type of Alfred. Like, yeah, there is there is that like stiff upper lip butler quality to Michael Goff that Kane doesn't quite have, but then also Kane has some of the most emotional Alfred scenes. Yeah, so Kane, it's, yeah, it's more integral to the story. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it just it occurred to me listening to this. I'm just like, I don't think this, you know, he ever had any scenes with Gordon until, you know, other than this audio production. So that's kind of cool too. It's uh, cool he owned this role. It's like the Constantine guy now. Yeah, his name, but yeah, that Matt guy, Ryan. Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So to to play him in both live action and in some sort of audio production is pretty cool. Yeah, just own it. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would do. So the basic plot here is Batman's been abducted, and Ra's al Ghul has used plastic surgery to pretend to be Bruce Wayne. So that's actually Garrick Hagen as Ra's in uh, at the end there. Uh, and this is actually, it's kind of foreshadowing of Hush because Hush tried to do the same to Batman in the Heart of Hush storyline. So really interesting on this. And it also means that Michael Goff's Alfred gets to interact with Ra's al Ghul, which is a trip on uh, in this audio. So that's pretty cool. But let's talk about the guy voicing the real Batman on here. So that's Bob Sessions we're showing here. Um, we've had different Batman voices in the previous weeks and so far out of the guys, we've had Bob Stolfi in the Batman forever one, Don Leslie in the Batman and Robin one. I think sessions ranks above those two guys. There's like a Conroy esque quality to his voice, but also still kind of different from that. Yeah. Yeah. That you could hear in the fight scene earlier. So that was cool. And since there's, you know, this is an anniversary special, the plot kind of features, recaps of major batman comic book moments and they were actually the first to adapt the scene in year one where bruce is wounded in the study and wondering how to strike fear into criminals and so mags and boulevard carry over some of the frank miller dialogue from year one uh though they kind of revise it so i'm going to play that clip here okay what do i use to make them afraid Crashing through the window of the study, having lost its way back to the cave. It sucks the stale air and hisses. I have seen it before somewhere. It frightened me as a boy, and with the fear, the knowledge. Yes, Father. Now I know what I must become. So, I shall become a bat. Yeah, sadly, they didn't have him say that. <laughs> They're just like, now I know what I must become. Oh, man, they missed the most important part. I know, right? I was like, God damn it, when I got to that part in the audio. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, they, they adapt different scenes from the comics, so some direct dialogue. So young Bruce falling into the cave and encountering the bats for the first time. Uh, that's adapted from The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, the scene from Dark Knight Returns where Batman has the, the inner monologue about there are seven working defenses from this position. That's in there. Uh, the first meeting between Ra's al Ghul and Batman in the Batcave from Daughter of the Demon is adapted, as well as Batman talking Commissioner Gordon into um, teaming up from the untold legend of the Batman. All that's adapted with pretty much a lot of the dialogue lifted from the comics. So it's pretty it's a pretty true adaptation to a lot of the stuff outside of some weird stuff with Ra's al Ghul in this. But um, clearly they had done a lot of homework in providing this audio. So that's yeah, cool. Uh, what's that? What's the year again? 1989. So same year oh, as the oh, okay, movie. okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Because okay. it's the the 50th anniversary. Okay. So rest of the class, rest of the cast is Paul Maxwell as Gordon, Carrie Shale as the Joker and Detective Bullock, Shelley Thompson as Barbara Gordon, 
uh, slash Oracle, as well as Talia, Lorelai King as Catwoman, Alan Marriott as Jason Todd, because uh, there's flashbacks to Jason before he was killed by the Joker, and uh, James Good as Nightwing. So um, mm. pretty interesting, you know, eclectic group of characters, especially if you're like you're a kid in 89, you might have just been introduced to Batman in the movie, and then you listen to this, you're introduced to like a whole bunch of people who you don't know yet because he hasn't, you know, they haven't been in the movies. Definitely. So it's been would, cool. Would Roz be in your top 10 bat villains? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to think like, I like, I like, you? um, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like mm. I can see like the first time seeing Batman fight with a sword I probably wasn't the first time, but you know, like fight Ra's al Ghul with yeah. the with the Iconic. sword, mm-hmm. Iconic shit. There, I understand that, and I I think I like the League of Assassins more than Ross. <laughs> I know you can't. <laughs> I know you can't have one without the other, but like I don't know something. Maybe I need to just familiarize myself with him a little bit more or something. But uh, let's see. I, I will Freeze, say those- Joker Riddler. Penguin, even maybe over Roz, over yeah. Roz. Um, ah, not Mad Hatter. <laughs> uh, Court of Owls, <laughs> yes, over Mad Hatter over Roz. Yeah, yeah, maybe he squeaks in the top ten. I'm trying to think, but I uh, think he's a character that they've kind of done everything they need to do with him. Because like mm. I can't think of like if if they're like, hey, like we'd give you the keys of the kingdom. What are you going to do with Rosal Ghoul? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> like they've kind of done it. Uh, you see, yeah, he, fu- he, you know, Batman has fucked his daughter and <laughs> had a fucking <laughs> shitty ass son. <laughs> like they, they really like, you know, did a great job. Uh, you know, they did everything they could with that. Yeah, I think you're right. That's probably why. Uh, and again, I haven't read it, but like apparently the current Flashpoint Batman by Jeff Johns mm-hmm. is really good probably because it's like just totally new not totally new but like fresh ish for batman you know what i mean yeah like there's more shit they can do do with that not that they can't mm-hmm. do any anything anymore with the main storyline but you know it's probably easier in some ways with yeah with fresher stuff mm-hmm. yeah i just i just don't know so, what else yeah. where else you could go with that with with Rosal ghoul they've done everything they've killed them they've right them i mean again, the whole again. The whole what? I mean, the whole stuff in like Batman Begins, the stuff in Batman Begins where he is saying that like they sacked Rome and it's like they've been like mm-hmm. engineering humanity since day one. It's like the conspiracy theory to end all conspiracy theory. Like they are, they are the Illuminati in a sense. They are what you know, whatever Bilderberg group, whatever fucking conspiracy theory you 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 believe in. Yeah, they're that right. Like I yeah. thought that was really cool and interesting and, and and maybe they could spin that angle one more time or something, but they could not, that cool wouldn't be like a personal idea. note, I guess. Yeah. It's a yeah. cool idea. It's just that Batman's not around during those times. So like it's that's cool, true, it's yeah. Always going to be backstory. This is kind of the problem that they've set up for themselves. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It would be like the but it's like with Batman begins, Batman is turned the course of human history around he hasn't just saved gotham he's he stopped a major 
he stopped the Illuminati. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's kind of a big deal that people don't bring up all that much, but mm-hmm. uh, like you know, they say as a fire, as a you know, what do they say? As a the 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 weeds grow too much or something. You need a fire to cleanse it or something. Oh yeah, when he's talking about the forest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he stopped to that fire, the purging so, fire. Yes, the purging fire. So like. I love that aspect of it, and yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what I, I'm with you, man. I don't know what they could do with Roz at this point. I mean, another sword fight would be cool, uh, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, I bet you like people that were reading that in the '70s. What was that? '72 or something? Yeah, the '70s, probably yeah, that, '71. I might think. Yeah, that that must have been like such a treat, you know, like to mm-hmm. see Batman do that to. For the first time, you know, it was it, new. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. O'Neill and Neil Adams stuff with Roswell Ghoul, like it was so new at the time, and now like we've seen it in, across different adaptations. And like, all right, I like the character. I'm cool seeing him, but inevitably, it's just like Batman shows up at some random Himalayan lair. Roz calls him <laughs> detective. They have some sort of sword fight. Roz is either dying or going to die and needs a dip in the Lazarus pit or something. Talia yeah. is, you know, <laughs> caught in between. Like it's it's all the same shit. Talia's never too likable either, to be honest with you. For me. If anything, they made her less likable. Especially yeah. during Grant Morrison's run. She's the main villain. Yeah, that, right. So. Like they're just not likable. I mean, I, Roz is not supposed to be. He's a fucking mm-hmm. villain, but yeah. Like, you know, be a little bit more catwoman like. Like make her, you know, she's <laughs> she's She's uh gray, right? You can make Talia a little bit more gray, a little more likable. Yeah. But instead they decided to make her more evil in, uh, in Batman Incorporated. So, oh well. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. All right. So, uh this one seemed to work well, the Lazarus syndrome, and they decided 5 years later, let's do another one. And so they decided to go for a big one, which is Nightfall. Nice. So much bigger production, 1994. The previous one was 43 minutes. This is three hours. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, it adapts the entire Nightfall saga from the comics at the time. Cast was bigger as well. And I even have a rare cast photo of the audience. Whoa. Yep. So you can see in the center, there's Michael Goff in a purple sweater. Uh, and we have other actors here in a matching purple sweater. <laughs> at least mm-hmm. Patching and Geller is Bob Sessions as Batman. Uh, and then the caption identifies that's Dirk Mags in doing some Han Solo cosplay on the uh, on the far left <laughs> over there. Uh, then we got uh, Eric Myers, who played Bullock, is next to him in the glasses and blue. Uh, next to him is Michael Roberts, who voiced the ventriloquist and film freak. Uh, James Good is the guy next to him who returned as Nightwing and voiced Scarecrow in this. And then we've got Bob Sessions and Michael Goff. And then uh, kind of tucked in the back there the young guy is daniel marinker who played tim drake i believe he's the first actor to play tim drake this is the first adaptation of the character before they brought him into the animated series and did the mm-hmm. legends of robin audio so i think he's the first tim drake and then old guy at the end is vincent marzella who uh, marzello who plays mayor kroll as well as mr zaz in this and then uh, the three actors in front we got lorelei king who voiced montoya and leslie Tompkins on the left uh a Alibi Parsons uh, as Dr. Chandra Consolving and uh, or Alib Parsons. I'm not sure on that. Uh, and uh, Carrie Shale at the end, who's kind of the MVP of this because he's the Joker, but he's also Azrael. 
and oh, Ezreal's cool. a huge part of that. Yeah. So he has mm-hmm. to put on like three different voices, Joker's voice, John Paul Valley's voice, and then Azrael's voice, and as well as Azrael pretending to be Batman. So okay. All right. He's got it out for him on this. Uh, not pictured here is Peter Marinker, who voiced Bane as well, likely related to the actor playing Robin, who's Daniel Marinker. Uh, William Roberts is Commissioner Gordon. And playing the Riddler is an actor named Stuart Milligan, who was playing Superman in the Dirk Mag Superman stuff. Oh, so nice. that's kind of an interesting casting. Like, <laughs> Superman is the Riddler in this. Do you know if these were sold in America as well, or is this just in the Yeah, UK? I got this. Uh, I got the this off of iTunes uh, back in 2005 or 2006 or so. They made it available around the time of the, the Nolan trilogy being released. So I did buy this back then. Okay, but, but so was it released when Nightfall came out? Um, I think, yeah, because it was done over BBC Radio in 94. I don't know if there, I think there was a separate release of it, but I don't know if it was available in America. Okay, yeah, like a book on tape kind of deal at the time. Yeah, yeah. People I'm pretty still sure sold. People still say book on tape, like when they say <laughs> audio book. Like some people oh, do yeah. still say that, you know? It's a 90s thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. So uh, Michael Goff's Alfred is not the co- emotional core of the story like he kind of was in Batman and Robin, but, you know, where he had the best scenes in that. But he does get to do a lot more work here than mm-hmm. he did in the other movies. Alfred gets to do a bunch of things that Michael Goff's Alfred did not get to do in the movies. So okay. one of those things is to actually go out in the field of Batman. Uh, oh, so nice. this uh, this adaptation starts off with the storyline of Sword of Azrael, which introduced the character of Azrael in the first place. And in the comic, that's where Alfred and, and Batman end up in the mountains and stuff, tracking down John Paul Valley. And uh, this is actually where Alfred compares Batman to being a boy scout. And okay. Michael Goff get to set, get, get, basically got to say the line here. I'm afraid we will not reach civilization before darkness, Master Bruce. And then take my parka, put it over your own. It may help me into the ranks of the unemployed after you perish of the cold out of the question. I have another suit. The one I always wear when there's a possibility of meeting serious bad guys. And this is the heated model. You're a shining example to Boy Scouts everywhere, Master. <laughs> so, is Batman a UK guy as well? Or? I think he's located in the UK. Let me look okay. up Bob Sessions right now. Um, Bob Sessions passed away as well. Um, so he's no longer with us. Passed away in 1998. Okay. Here. Been a while. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't find much on him. Uh, he was young, born 1940. Oh, man. Uh, 58? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. All right. Uh, but yeah, can't find that much about him. I believe he uh, was American living in England or one of okay. those. So yeah, we have that scene with Alfred. And then we've talked before about how Alfred came from the stage, came from theater, came from being an actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alfred actually gets to be in a disguise in this production here. Uh, in the comic, after Bane showed the public that he broke Batman, uh, Alfred and Tim Drake show up, disguised as paramedics to sort of take him away in an ambulance to take him to the Batcave uh, for, to take care of him. And so that's where this is where we get to hear Michael Goff pretend to be <laughs> like a city city paramedic dude. So oh, it's kind of fun. <laughs> Paramedics coming through. I see. Come on. Alfredo, the backboard, hurry. Gangway people coming through here. You guys got here in a hurry? Yeah, we was in the neighborhood. 
He's breathing shallow and has a quick, weak pulse. Skin's ice cold. I didn't try to move him. Here, keep him straight. Yeah, got him. Slide it straight into the van. Look, I can ride along in the unit. Uh, help me get to the hospital in a hurry. It's okay, Commissioner. We're uh, only a few blocks from Mercy General. So, we was okay. in the neighborhood. We was in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's trying to be like Brooklyn almost. Yeah, kind of. So it's kind of fun to hear that because you can still mm. tell it's him. <laughs> voice wise. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So it, that was cool though, because like he never got to do the whole Alfred disguising himself thing in the movies either. Would uh, you say Nightfall still the best Bane story? Oh yeah. yeah, it's still it's it's definitely the best one. I I have I do have my own issues with with Nightfall, but I do think it is more deserving of being on like one of the top arcs list compared to like hush gotcha like the story is actually good it's not just about the art yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah uh and then the last but uh, no man's land is still your number one problem no man's land hands down like I, whenever i re revisit it i'm just like oh yeah <laughs> now, I, now i know now yeah. i remember just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about retro gaming. It's about video games. It's about, it's a lot about Japanese to English in this first season. Yes, it will be 10 episodes each season. First season will be dropping soon, much sooner than Amano Recon. The co-host for this one will be Mike Torres. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well. And we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, a.k.a. EGM. So stay tuned for that. So please be on the lookout for Gaming Gaiden Podcast coming soon. Class is back in session, and HyperX has the grade-A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes, and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX back-to-school deals going on now at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable cloud headsets can keep you focused in as you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats and stay productive with lightweight pulse fire mice, responsive alloy keyboards, and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories. Hi, it's me, Jeremy Parrish, co-host of the Retronauts podcast, the only video game history podcast that's been around so long, it's also a part of video game history. Every week, one of the motley rabble who hosts this show leads a deep dive into the past, whether it's to break down a classic franchise, learn more about a timeless game from its creator, or just wallow in nostalgia. Relive history with Retronauts, here on the HyperX Podcast Network. Do you like the TV show Friends? Then check out Watching Friends with me, Mark, and me, Ryan, every week as we go through every episode of this iconic TV show, giving you behind-the-scenes facts, our thoughts on every scene, and some personal stories. Do you know which actor can't remember how many seasons of the show there are? How about the one common household object that could never be seen on the show? We've got the answers and more as we explore Friends in depth every week. Watching Friends, only on the HyperX Podcast Network. Find inflation the old-fashioned way by spending less money. Check out the HyperX store at Amazon.com to find great Prime Day deals on July 12th and 13th. Stock up on new gaming gear so you'll be equipped for the new launches and content drops. Mark your calendars and set your alarms. Deals like this won't stick around long. 
Class is back in session, and HyperX has the grade-A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes, and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX back-to-school deals going on at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable cloud headsets can help keep you focused in as you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats and stay productive with lightweight Pulse Fire mics, responsive alloy keyboards, and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back to school time. We want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best gear yet. The Manscaped 4th Generation Performance Package is just that. Be ready for whatever it is in your daily schedule this year. It's the perfect package for your package and includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Fellas, go for the valedictorian of Val trimming and join the six million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code johnson's ballsack yes that's a real code 100 <laughs> percent real yes so this is apparently the part in the ad read where i tell you about hurting my balls while trimming below the waist the thing is i haven't because i've never hurt my <laughs> balls through it while using manscaped me personally that's not to say that you can't i'm just saying that i have it myself so thanks to manscaped i don't have a story to share on yeah, uh, I one time shaved my sack without <laughs> without Manscaped, and it didn't end up well. Actually, my ro- my roommate had to clean up the mess because I was in college and forgot about it. But anyway, that's a side. That's a, <laughs> I was young I once. You with that. <laughs> I was young once. But yes, you want to keep in the bush. To, to keep it, to keep in your underoos, keep 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 your package in the underoos. All right, you gotta Indeed. have it looking looking good down there. You know what I'm saying? And seem big. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> School is back, and the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to teach the boys a lesson on male hygiene. Inside, you'll find a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, <laughs> crop reviver toner plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs, and the Shed Travel Bath. This package includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and will give you the confidence to do anything you desire, including showing off your dick. <laughs> new year, new you, might screw around and attend Smooth Balls University this fall. Wait, is that a thing? This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic braid Sorry, Blade, to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also allows you to shave your pencil down and customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. As you guys can probably tell, we did not write this. <laughs> we lo- I mean, uh, these are the most fun ads, though, dude. Yeah. Um, all right, so the Lawnmower 4.0 has also has a 7,000 RPM motor and a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. So if you're needing to shave your balls in the dark, they the got you in the bad cave, <laughs> always on brand. Uh, please use the LED spotlight. Mm. And uh, did I mention it's waterproof as well? So if you wanna shave in the dark, 
underwater in Atlantis. In Atlantis, <laughs> if your bat cave is also in Atlantis. <laughs> There you, there you go. I mean, they got you yeah. covered. What can I say? Indeed. That's what Aquaman 2 is about. So, this package also comes... I'm going to say legally we, it's not that, but... <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> that package... was commentary. <laughs> yes. Uh, this package also comes with a weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and your ear. The weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair tra- uh, this nose and ear hair trimmer provide proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nick snags and tugs in those delicate holes. After trimming your pubes and cleaning your holes, show them some love with the Manscaped Liquid Formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to get you ready for class during the day and ready to party at night. And again, when you party at night, you could at night be shaving your balls just fine because it has a light on it. Mm-hmm. And also, I did have a friend, <laughs> speaking of ball deodorant, I had a friend one time that's going to remain nameless that did spray <laughs> cologne on his dick, and it hurt. It was a bad idea, he said. So you don't want to do that. You need deodorant, especially made for your balls. Indeed. And that's where they're here for, guys. Mm-hmm. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. One is a comfy front pack for your balls, and the other is a backpack for your goods. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack. And I'm telling you, it's real. We've yep. had a lot of people talk about this, <laughs> asking, and it's 100% real. Uh, we wouldn't be doing these actual official ads if mm-hmm. it wasn't real. <laughs> so, yeah. 20% off plus free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com. Take the last line, Ben. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls from Manscaped. And the last clip I have here is uh, Goff gets to do a scene that we saw Michael Caine do in The Dark Knight Rises, which is Alfred leaving Bruce after seeing him put himself in more danger. Now. Okay. It's not nearly as emotional as the scene in Dark Knight Rises, but it does stay true to the way it was done in the comic, which was mm-hmm. really not done that way. So here we go. You know I can't stay in bed, Alfred. Asp is here with Chandra, and I can find Ow. Bruce, I have never questioned you before or been disloyal, but I will not be part of your self-destruction. Anything but that. If you do not obey the doctor's orders, I shall resign my post effective immediately. Alfred, I have got to find Chandra, whatever the cost. In that case, sir, I shall return to Wayne Manor and clear my rooms. Good day, Mr. Wayne. Good day! (laughs) (laughs) So good as Alfred. But it's not as emotional, but it's... um, It it feels like it's the precursor to that scene. Right. Even the music feels a little, you know, Dark Knight trilogy-esque for uh, Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard in the background there. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely uh, the best of the audio so far that we've covered in terms of the Batman forever one, Batman and Robin uh, Lazarus syndrome. This is better than Lazarus syndrome. I mean, it better okay. be. It's like three times as long as Lazarus syndrome production wise um, and everything. Huh? Yeah. Production wise uh, as well, but also just like the way that it's the way that it's written. It's, I mean, it's pretty much the nightfall storyline, but condensed into, three hours so if you want to re-experience nightfall but don't want to sift through like 50 or 60 issues 
<laughs> you can go through this instead. Right. And you pretty much get the same thing out of it. That's cool. Um, but yeah, the the only the main thing with Bane in this, and I brought this Halsey brought this up in saying that I I ruined Bane for him. Uh, <laughs> the monthly meetup, but Bane is basically motivated to come to Gotham and break Batman's back because he had nightmares of a bat as a kid. There would have been such a better way to set up an, a motivation, man. Like Batman could have accidentally fucked up a building, like the city destruction angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe that's out of character, but like something like that, or uh, what else? Like, oh, he could have uh, something to do with Wayne Enterprises. Bane figures out he's Batman. Wayne Enterprise fucks fucks him over in Mexico or whatever the fuck. Somehow, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's at least in the Dark Knight Rises, it's just like, oh, it, he wants revenge because Rosal Ghoul died. You know, I'm like, it's yeah, it, it was a little muddled because Bane was excommunicated and it turned out he was working for Talia the whole time. But it like it made sense as a motivation. He just wants revenge. He took over the league. Boom, mm-hmm. you're done. So like they at least had something better than that. Does Asriel uh, have any other? This is such a noob question. I feel like, but does he have other big runs other than Nightfall? Not really. Not really. That's the thing. Like it, it was. It was John John Paul after this kind of redeems himself through the stuff that happens in No Man's Land, which again is more of a Batman thing than like an Asriel set Asriel run. You know, Asriel does have his own comics. It's just I've never really been super interested in, in exploring them. I think uh, the Court of Owls have to kind of uh, consume the Court of Dumas. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. And then take over, and then Azrael becomes like... Talon? Azrael Talon. Like, oh, yeah. Come on, man. I'm. Where's my money? <laughs> DC, this is, this is an easy one. This is a scissor. <laughs> what do you call it? Low, low ball or whatever. Softball. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay, so Nightfall is kind of... The, the reason why I think it's it's a great arc despite this these flaws is that it's basically set up as a critique against people who want like the dark edge lord batman and so asriel mm. is specifically created to be the dark edge lord batman from the beginning it's kind of a criticism against uh that idea or wanting that type of batman that's why he's in like that super over stylized 90s armor you yeah. know as both asriel and as asbat um it's also funny, too, because in the comics and listening to the radio show, they're just like, oh, Batman's so edgy. He's got a suit of armor on and he's breaking criminals bones. And instead of batarangs, he's got bat shurikens. And I'm like, that's actually pretty much what you would expect of the modern Batman yes. <laughs> right now. That's kind of what he's turned into. Uh, so so it's just like an anti-Miller or, um, or critique against Miller in his way. I don't think it's necessarily against Miller so much as what Miller unknowingly influenced which what is what hath miller wrought yeah yeah like everyone wants basically these these edgier 90s superheroes the ones like yeah we kill people and, and all the stuff that's what asriel is, is sort of representing here and okay. uh, i think to this day there are some people who are part of that i think they've kind of evolved into you know we've talked about you know with bvs Yes, Batman's branding and killing people, but Snyder's very much on the side that, like, yeah, that's that is we know that's Batman out of character, and he becomes like his arc is becoming more like the Batman we know by the end. He's not supposed to be doing that, but I think there are even some hardcore Snyder fans who actually support that version of Batman, a Batman that Snyder doesn't even support in his own movie, (laughs) and think that Batman should be brutal and going around and killing all those criminals and 
even though BVS intends to say that it's wrong. And, you know, some of that is down to the problem of BVS's execution, but some of it is just people who want their own edgelord shit out there. And so it, it's it's the, the nightfall works because it's the idea of Bruce having to step down and unknowingly allowing a more brutal Batman on the streets and then having to recover and get the cowl back from like this darker, edgier Batman whom right. you know, audiences are now discovering like, eh, we don't actually like this. Right, <laughs> it's not right, as cool right. as we thought. Uh, right. But then you kind of run into the problem afterwards. Since Asriel's created to be like the darker edge Lord Batman, what do you do with Asriel once the story is done? Right. He kind of served his purpose. So like, that's why I've never really been super interested in, in Asriel's story outside of what I've already read, which is Nightfall and then No Man's Land, where like he kind of redeems himself. Well, I mean, it will depend on like what the court, it's a court of Dumas, right? The Order of St. Dumas. Order, Order of St. Dumas, right? Okay, yeah. so depend on like, do they brainwash him again? Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. And then they, they start doing their own things again and uh i don't know i don't know actually what what could happen i mean it'd be probably too similar to court of owls at this point but you know i don't know yeah they've gone back and forth at one point they killed him off they gave the mantle of azrael to someone else and then rebirth brought back john paul like it's they keep doing all the things with the character but it, it's just like with bane where you don't really beat the original story right i wonder if there's like you could this is gotta be kind of hard to do i guess but like let's say the court of Doom, the Order of Dumas and the Court of Owls are fighting each other, but they're mm -hmm. fighting at like an elite level. But somehow, that trickles down into more crime in Gotham in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that would happen, but I don't know. I'm just kind of I'm kind of spitballing here. I, I'm just I, I'd like I think he's got a cool look. I, I'd like for them to do more. At least do a fucking like do the fucking um do a Flashpoint Asriel, make him a little bit different. Mm -hmm. switch switch it up yeah yeah i think there's more to explore with that i've just never really been super interested in it but if they do yeah. something interesting then maybe that can bring it back i think another issue is that because he's deliberately set up for that they kind of had to come up with a contrived way to bring him up because it's just like bruce okay so bruce meets this guy who's basically a kid he's, he's a grad student much yeah. younger uh, and he's been brainwashed by the system since birth to kill for the Order of St. Dumas to be right. their assassin. And Batman's like, well, I'll take you under my wing because, you know, you want a different path and stuff. Right. And then Nightfall pretty much happens. <laughs> then his back okay. gets broken. And Bruce is just like, should I con? You know, <laughs> he's given the choice. He's like, should I contact Dick Grayson, who is an adult and was trained by me for years and I've known and trusted him for a while? Or should I trust this grad student? who I've barely known, who has a system ingrained in him to kill people and has not gotten over it at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'll trust that guy <laughs> to be Batman. Oh, my God. And Dick Grayson, it'd be one thing if he he tells Dick, like, you got to be Batman. And Dick said no, but he doesn't even ask. He doesn't, he doesn't give Dick a chance. Okay. So, uh, so Dick's like, why didn't you ask me, is what he says by the time Nightwing shows up where Azrael Batman's already started, you know, killing criminals and shit. Like, dude, it has gone way too late. Check this out, man. So May 5th, 2022, they announced 
Sword of Azrael new mini series by DC Comics <laughs> coming out. The series will pick up with John Paul now retired from being the pawn of the Order of Saint Dumas and living at and living at a monastery in Europe until a young woman appears asking for his help. After learning she has undergone the same brainwashing he did, John Paul reclaims the mantle of Azrael to protect her from the deadly assassins now pursuing her. All That's right. cool. Well, maybe cool. we have an angle. I, I'm looking at the cover art right now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dark Say your prayers. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. cool. There's so shit. I'll read it. That's that's cool. I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think there could have been a better way to have gotten him in that cowl mainly because uh, otherwise yeah. it's it's just like oh I'm just trust John Paul. I'm like maybe if John Paul had been part of the you know part of the team for a lot longer or I'd shown that he had gotten over the system or something, then that would make more sense. But it just seemed like it seemed unlikely mm-hmm. um, at that. And then we have some other issues where like Bruce is back. It's fixed because his girlfriend has super healing powers. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know we're just like, eh, he got punched in the back of the dark Knight rises. That was, you know, that was pretty lame, but I'm like, this is not the comic book version. <laughs> like you see what Nolan had to work with. <laughs> right right <laughs> I know. source material so i'm like yeah he didn't necessarily make that that much worse i feel like that star wars kid was next to me whenever they kicked his back into place <laughs> again okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my God, that's a thing bro. and then like bruce doesn't actually get a rematch with bane in the story he gets mm-hmm. it into another story but like it's it's basically he, bane breaks bruce and then john paul beats bane and that's the end of Bane's part of this. I'm like, eh, that's cool, but it's like it's not as satisfying as having a rematch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd want the rematch for Which sure. Is, you know, something else that you know, Dark Knight Rises provided at the end. It became satisfying when Batman came back and kicked his ass and tore out the fucking tubes and stuff. Like that mm-hmm. made sense. Yes, so, yes. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's it has the flaws, but I I appreciate the the core theme of it the core concept of like this is why bruce you know bruce wayne's batman works the no kill stuff the you know not crossing the line not just being about breaking bones but having compassion for people and stuff because uh uh he shows that compassion to john paul at the end okay that's cool takes back the mantle so uh yeah we'll probably cover more arc stuff or like hidden gems arc this is definitely not a hidden gem because bunch of people know about this but. oh night nightfall's not a hidden gem for, for <laughs> yeah, sure yeah yeah but yeah. uh it, it is one i guess that i can say like this one is well deserved in terms of mm-hmm. it, it, its rep of like if if it's if we're going off of like it has to be like major story arcs uh then yeah it would definitely be up there in like top 10 i mean yeah it's like you know like all star superman it's you know it's got to be on the list yeah right definitely. there's just some really deserve their position yeah yeah. So, uh, but yeah, those those are the audios where Michael Goff shows up as Alfred and gets to do a bunch of stuff we didn't get to see. All right, so that's all you get for this week. That was our episode released from the Patreon Vault. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to hear the full episode, please go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And this the rest of this episode and a bunch more is there. It's at the $5 tier, so please check that out, and we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you later. Thanks again. Bye.